call for all of us to recognise and acknowledge the fact of occupation, to rethink the received colonial settler narrative. Welcome to Deadly Justice with Tallulah, your local Aboriginal justice show. Good afternoon and welcome back to Deadly Justice. This fortnight we have our third episode of Scuttermob and our first guest on this show, um, we have Emil Boxer. And Emil is a 26-year-old Walmagetti man from Yakanara community. And Emil is currently working as an AIEO at Broome Senior High School. He finished his degree last year, a Bachelor of Science, double majoring in Sports Science and Exercise and Health at UWA. After having completed Oreo, um, he's he's doing some really brilliant stuff. Really excited about working at Broome Senior High School. He was a student at Broome Senior High School, so it must be nice for him coming back to the school that he attended. And yeah, Emil's living in Broome and doing some really cool stuff. So how are you going, Emil? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, how are you going? Not bad. So <laughs> it's really good to have you on the show. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. 26-year-old, as you're saying, 26-year-old man, university graduate. I like traveling. I've been to um with lots of different countries. Yeah, when I was uh I think when I was 18 years old, I did my first uh, sort of overseas travel with sort of without my parents. So I did some volunteer work in Nepal for about six weeks. Yeah, and that was really like really eye opening for me because I think I'd never really been so just in a very very far away place from um where I'm from. Like a lot of people, a lot of people who travel, they speak a lot about the travel bug, and that was sort of the first time I got bit by the travel bug. And since then, I sort of um where I promised myself that at least I would try my best at every year that I would do an overseas trip. I love that about <laughs> You know, it's funny you're saying about the travel bug. I've definitely got that as well. Mm. I, I try and do the same thing, actually, one one country a year, mm. which is um, since, what, 2017. Mm. So, yeah, I, I haven't been traveling for very long, but I definitely try to do one, one country a year. And it's so funny you talking about that. It definitely, um, like defines who you are i think the first time i went overseas i was 18 and i went by myself and um yeah and i I went to london and canada for a month six weeks no yeah something like that um and i remember getting on the plane absolutely like terrified went overseas got back and then went oh i'm a big girl now yeah i can do anything Mm. i just traveled the world like the other side of the world by myself Mm. i'm i can you know i can do anything now so yeah yeah, it's so important in in like defining who you are Mm. i think and that travel bug thing is 100 percent. i've had tattoos and whatever else about you know overseas and and kind of symbolizing my love for travel so yeah i get that Mm. um yeah definitely love for travel your so you recently very recently as of last year finished Mm. your degree yeah yeah it was very like um it's hard to describe the feeling of like I guess finishing and graduating. I remember when I was at the um uh, at Hackett Hall there at UWA in my my gown, like my suit and stuff, and little funny hat that we get to wear when we graduate. And it was weird because I had to like I had been at uni for well, I guess when I started Oreo was in 2013, the orientation course to get myself into um my undergraduate degree. I started that, and then I started my degree course in 2014, the year after. And funnily, it was interesting. I actually wasn't doing sports science as my initial major when I started. I was actually majoring in chemistry. Yeah, and I did about six months of it and I just didn't really I thought it was interesting but I never really saw myself in like the field like working so 
And I, funnily enough, just picked up a sports science unit just as a take up as a broadening, and I really liked it. So I transitioned like my whole degree into sports science. And yeah, and it was really good because it was very interesting, and I found like a lot of uh, interesting aspects about it that I really enjoyed. Um, my um, first year of my degree course when I was studying chemistry, I actually struggled a fair bit with um, adjusting to it. I think because I think I was just very I was quite I'm quite a shy person at least I was before so. I struggle a lot with like uh, reaching out for support and I think like for a very, very, very long time. So I struggled a fair bit with like my university studies for a bit. Um, but eventually I got it as I learned to reach out a bit more and for, I'm very thankful for the people who I, who helped support me during particular periods because it was, it was not very fun. And, uh, but yeah, no, I think um, after I got a bunch um, a bunch more support, I became much more confident and comfortable at university and, uh, yeah, and it was much better, and, it was, and it was, there was just so much going on during, and I took about a year and a half off because I was actually struggling with a fair bit of, like, purpose when I was at university, because I was, yeah, it was just, there was things that were interesting, but then there were periods where I would just find very, uh, very little purpose going to class and stuff, and with the content I was learning, and I think that was, like, had to do a lot with, with many things, like burnout and purpose and yeah it was a bit difficult yeah no i fully understand that having been to uwa mm. and having been to uni i, I gave it two goes I, I did my first year and i I did well in my first year but mm. i felt like i hadn't found myself i guess i felt yeah. like i was kind of somewhere where i didn't belong um so i i needed to go back to my dad and moved in with my dad for 12 months and then i went back and tried again in 2018 mm. and yeah same thing it was really hard i was struggling really uh, struggling a fair bit with some depression yeah um at the time and some social anxiety and it was really difficult for me to kind of feel like i i was comfortable enough to go to my tutorials and go to classes and stuff and and so i know when you're kind of studying and you're even especially when you're, you're kind of at the beginning of your degree, it's hard to kind of see um, yeah, the light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. It's very overwhelming. In yeah. fact, like I, I was having such a tough time at uni. I, like, I would actually like at Hacker Hall, like the big grass area where the graduations happen, I would actually like walk around the area so I actually wouldn't have to see like the graduates there because I found like was struggled with a fair bit with like thinking I was never going to graduate, weirdly enough, but like, I did fortunately. But for a bit because I was finding it so hard, I just didn't like see myself being there for some reason yeah well isn't that lovely that you've finally done that yeah no it's like that's one that's one of the things that was so difficult about like describing my university experience because there was so much that happened like i was in like a, a long-term intimate relationship with somebody and i did had so much like self-discovery and struggle and like progress and it was hard to for like when i was at it was, it was so bizarre because i was just at the um at the, on the day in i think it was in november sometime what does that mean when you're somewhere in there it was the end of the year last year and I was, like, in, like, my suit and stuff. And just, like, I think the ceremony took, like, over three hours and just for me to, like, sum up and try and process, like, what five and a half years of me, like, trying really hard at uni was, like, finding purpose in that and just, like, being quite overwhelmed, to be honest. Yeah. And then then poses the question, where to from here? Yeah, yeah. You know? That's <laughs> what I found at the end of year 12, graduating. And mm. it's, like, my whole life I've been building up to this year 12. Mm where to from here like yeah okay what like i'm a big girl now this is the adult world what do i do <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah i fully understand that and um and uwa is it's it, it's a wonderful uni like mm. you know it's it's brilliant for its academics and whatever else but in terms of um of being away from home that mm. was something that i struggled with heaps mm. um and and why i had to leave at uh, uwa the, in the end because um Feeling like I had to sacrifice my culture and my family and my um, in order to study, mm. 
so yeah i know i know what that feels like and um definitely an obstacle and and something that that um you know we talk about all the time like why should we have to make that sacrifice we shouldn't have to mm. we should be um be able to have the access to that education in a place where we belong and where we we you know you think about all those the kids in perth the goody kids who don't have mm. to make those sacrifices mm. um because they live there and their families are there and and whatever else um so yeah definitely something that i really struggled with and i'm happy now that i have the option to study online yeah yeah i think that's a fantastic option and it's funny i echo that a lot because i remember my first year in 2013 the um the mid-year break it's so strange because i remember it so vividly because i really was really really missing home um so after my first semester my first year i came back and i was at in broom here for like five weeks and i just remember just being like five weeks of like bliss i was like it's so yeah it's tough mm. Um, tell us a little bit about your role as an AIEO. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the education support officer role that I have is, like, I mainly work with students who who need a fair bit of external support as well in school. And it's really cool because, like, the, um, I get a lot out of it and it's, and it's, and it's, because I'm quite, I think the people who sort of lean towards those roles are naturally caring people. I found it really, really rewarding because the because I I actually found school quite difficult. I think I found school harder than university. Yeah, yeah. Particularly with like like for example, so like like let's just say we view school as like a contact hours the same as university. That's like five hours of study, like of class time per day for five days a week. That's like twenty five contact hours. If you have twenty five contact hours at university, that's like insane. If you're like like not even postgrad med has that many contact hours. So I really feel for like all the kids who I work with because they just. Like re- and I just because I had that same experience as well, like just not being at school for like five, um, well six hours a day because of lunch and recess, but um, it's such a long period of time to like sit there and try and be focused. Like yeah, I feel like there's this sort of trust and comfortableness they feel around me, um, which is cool because it's really um helped support me develop relationships with the kids in school, which is like like probably the most important thing if you work at a school and most staff member at a school, yeah. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that kids at school don't actually get a choice. Mm. They don't get to choose to be there. They mm. have to be there. So, um, yeah, definitely it's difficult. And, I've had, I, you know, I have this discussion with people all the time. Is that why, why aren't we creating an environment where kids who aren't suited to this mainstream form of education are catered for? Like, <laughs> it's something that I'm really passionate about because I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my experience. I was a boarding school kid. I performed really well. Um, I got a really good ATAR and I got direct entry. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I, I was I got a whole lot of awards. But I was severely depressed for six years. And I was on antidepressants for six years. And it, so, you know, I, I did well at school, but it was all at the cost of my well-being. And I shouldn't have, in the end, now looking back at where I am now, I shouldn't have put myself under that amount of pressure to do well um and so i kind of um i i i really appreciate the opportunity and i'm really grateful for um for what it's given me now like all the positive stuff but i wish i didn't have to make that choice because i um i suffered for it so i'm all for alternative education and and i guess one of the things also i think about is other people in my family who are the cleverest people I know, mm. but in Godiway wouldn't be at all defined successful. Mm. You know, my my brother is the best hunter I mm. know, and um, he's got a really gifted mechanical mind. Really good with cars. He can drive anything. He can fix anything. Um, really mathematically minded, as in like he's really good with money, finances, and all that stuff. Mm. But these are things that are like, you know, not not considered 
a successful thing you know in gadia world you think about oh you're successful if you've got five degrees and you've got a phd yeah, yeah. like that's just bull yeah, like that's yeah. just not okay <laughs> you know <laughs> So yeah, I'm all for alternative, um, alternative education, and uh, and and you know I I run a few workshops with, with um with some some as you say you know kids that need extra s- mm. external kind of support. Yeah. And they are the most hilarious, cleverest, funny kids ever. Mm. This little group of kids, I I love them. They're so funny, um and and I just feel like they're in a system that's um that's not fitted for them so Mm. yeah it's just it's a real shame but it's nice for you to be able to give that kind of guidance and support yeah i think um uh, the education the western education system at least that we have here is is a bit can be perceived as a bit cookie cutter like it's almost like a i view it as a bit of a conveyor belt sometimes it's like it's a continuous machine that we just throw kids into and and the like the cogs that don't fit they're like oh these are bad cogs let's just like they're not going to make it they won't you know what i mean instead of really like this 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 cog is okay. It's just this machine is not fit for this cog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with that. Mm. And and look, I'm probably the same as you. I work in a legal sector, mm. so you know part of what I have to do is is um, teach people about the law and what they can and can't do, and what's you know their way that they can use the law to help them and mm. whatever else. But I don't agree with it half the time. <laughs> <laughs> half the time I'm like, well, that's crap, and yeah. that's just not fair you know Mm. so um so i know what that's like you Mm. know and and um essentially i guess i use my role to kind of hopefully fingers crossed empower people yeah um about the stuff around the law yeah but i don't yeah i don't (laughs) half the time i'm sitting there going yeah i know it's it's crap but Mm. i i I hope this helps you know yeah Uh, so yeah i understand yeah Yeah, it's full on fortunately like with the at least the people i work with a lot of the um i think that a lot of the staff at least that i work i can only speak from my experience from school but a lot of the staff up with the teachers and whatnot they're quite aware with the the i guess my description of it as well like and i think they're more than happy to like support some students if they do seek some sort of alternate education uh pathway i guess they're like that'd be enough sick like we'll help you like and which is really 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 relieving to hear because i think at least when i was at school it was just and you know these kids are like bloody 14 15 16 they don't know anything like they don't know what like they're like this there's this structure that's that's put in front of them and they're very like a lot of the, like probably say the overwhelming majority of them are very hesitant to sort of like peer outside of the structure. So they feel like a lot of, they may feel a lot of pressure. At least I felt a lot of pressure when I was in school to sort of like, man, I gotta get really good grades. I gotta like study hard. Da, da, da. And I think it's just a lot of time for like a young human being in general to be like so laser focused, like, you know, when you're a teenager. And I think it's, it's very, um, also a lot of pressure to deal. I think it's from, I'd say probably from right now, from what I'm, from where I'm at with my life, I'd say it's probably like the most probably intense part of my life. <laughs> But you think about also you're hundred percent right because you think about everything that else that's going on with your teenager, mm. hormones, yeah, fights with parents, yeah, puberty, siblings, yeah. puberty, boys and girls stuff, boys and yeah. girls stuff, exactly. Yeah. Like there's a whole lot of other stuff yeah. that happens. When we have like no idea what we're freaking doing. Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So like no shizzle. You're gonna feel like you you know it's the mm. worst time in your life a whole lot of hormones cause depression and Mm. and up and down and whatever so yeah no wonder like i can definitely vouch for that my high school experience wasn't great yeah um and and i was um you know i was at an all-girls school and Mm. you can imagine what that was like all girls boarding school 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was full on. I, and like, I, I guess one of the things I'm grateful for is that, that we didn't have the extra pressure of the boys around because, mm. you know, girls sometimes feel like they've got to compete when there's, when there's blokes around. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. But, uh, but there are definitely a whole series of other issues. So, mm. um, and, and it wasn't just that. It was just kind of institutionalized, you know, yeah. um, especially for women, mm. kind of stereotypical old kind of attitude, I guess, to yeah. how women should Oh, like behave quote and present themselves. So. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it was very. It was a lot like that sometimes. Mm. Um, but yeah. So yeah, you know, all these other things kind of go on when you're a teenager. And then also, I think about my decision making process when I was a teenager. I was not worried about my future. Mm. I mean, mm. maybe towards the, like year eleven and twelve, I was. But year eight, nine, ten, mm. I was like, yeah. Just do the work that's in front of you, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we can't be expecting our kids to make big lifetime decisions when they're in year eight, nine, ten, eleven, yeah, twelve. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I remember. Um, I feel for a lot of kids because it echo, it gets echoed a fair bit, and I think I'm. It really hits me because it it was such a a loud sound in my head when I was at school. It was like, what are you gonna do? Like, what do you think you want to do? And I was remember I went. I was remember it was. It's so it's so ironic because I remember in year ten. And I'm allocated to the year 10 group in school. Uh, when I was in year 10, I went to like my first careers meeting, the careers office, and we went sat in this desk. And he's just like, oh, so what do you think you might want to do? And I was like, like, bro, like what? Like I'm 15. Like, <laughs> I was like, bro, like, I was like, bro, I didn't even know what I'm for breakfast. Like, I'm going to like go, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to come to school. Do what I can. Go home, play COD. Like, yeah, it's not the time. Yeah, it's not the time. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah, and I think after having that experience, I'm just gonna put nowhere near as much pressure on like my kids when I have them, and even the kids that I that I speak to a lot is they struggle a lot with the same thing. I'm like, no, bro, like you have to put whatever. Like I'm 20, 26, I still don't know what I want to do. There's so much you can do. It's like the options are there. It's just like just take your time, bro. Like you don't have to commit to anything, or even like if you do try something you don't have to view it as commitment like when i was at like i was at uni and heaps of people go you don't have to complete uni. you can drop out if you want if you don't like it like yeah and i think a lot of people are very uh uh what's the word the nervous of that for themselves to be viewed as some sort of failure or something and i think it's very sad because it's really like university or tape or whatever career path you're doing or whatever you're doing with your life in general it's just you trying something it's just like it just annoys me sometimes when like the title of trying something comes with like oh you get a degree or you get a graduation certificate and it's like it's this big prosperous thing which is not trying to like down getting a degree and stuff it's like it's worth something and it's worth a lot and if you feel proud of yourself completely that's fantastic but i just like the like the extra bit of spice it's given it gets given is like annoys me sometimes because i think it's not like i would hate for somebody to do it and find no purpose in receiving it you know what i mean which is something that i felt like a little bit when i was when i got my graduation certificate yeah credentialism yeah Mm. um look Prime example right here. Mm. I don't have a degree. Yeah. I've done two and a half years of study. I've got no TAFE mm. certificate. I, I run a radio show. I work in a legal this is thing, actually you know? This is actually sick. Like, I want to, like, do something similar to this. Yeah. So, yeah. so but you compare, like, you think about um, my credentials. I don't have any. Mm. <laughs> Year 12. Mm. <laughs> so, and I've been, I've been able to do some really awesome stuff, like work on the radio and work for a legal, community legal center work with kids, um, work as housing officer, mm. do a little bit of study here and there. So so exactly, prime example, just because you don't have a degree doesn't mean you're not going to get anywhere in life, I guess. Yeah. It's ambition mm. and it's passion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think 
also what you've just said, I, I guess I was going to ask you what some advice, but that covers some really good positive stuff about mm. um, not devaluing yourself because you don't have. Yeah, I think, um, oh man, I've struggled like for years with devaluing myself. <laughs> it's so funny we talk about this because of actually this year, 2020, um, despite like the sort of negative connotation this year has been given, it's it's been a year for me that's so much growth that I'm actually aware of. I think a lot of the time, at least for me, I was growing, but I wasn't really aware of it and I didn't really celebrate it and give myself a pat on the back for, for like appreciating that I was moving through and making a lot of progress in little parts of my life. And I think this is the first year I've been like constantly like having small wins and celebrating those small wins, like where they appear. And, and yeah, like a lot of, I struggle a lot with comparing myself for like years and years and years and years and years um, with everybody else and whatever else is doing. And this year has sort of been the first year where I've just um, been content with like the decisions I'm making. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and I think, um, I, you know, sometimes you do make bad decisions. Sometimes you don't. Mm. So don't focus so much on those bad decisions because in amongst those bad decisions are a whole lot of good ones. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I definitely get those feels. Um, and definitely so basically for those who are listening, don't beat yourself up. Mm. You know, we all kind of make bad decisions. We all make good decisions in amongst that. You know, being self-critical is more damaging than... Supportive. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, don't, don't beat yourself up. Kind mm. of remind yourself that you're okay. And I just wanted to ask you just really quickly as well, mm. what I know you, um, you, you, you're working at Broom Senior and you've got your degree and, and like you said, you kind of going, oh yeah, so cool, I got my degree. But what, what do you think, like where do you see yourself in 10 years time? Do you have any kind of plans for the future? You kind of just chilling? Yeah, I think uh, plans and plans wise, I think this is the sort of the first year that I've had really explored the creative side of myself i guess that i've taken relatively seriously and the way i express that is in the form of photography and cinematography so and it's been really really enjoyable because i've never really done anything creative before and like even like it's just like literally just me and i've made like a separate instagram account called um just for my photography my film stuff and it's just real cool like just me going out capturing something and putting it on there that i like that i think is cool and like having other people appreciate it just like it's just i don't know like if it's just like saying, hey, man, this is a cool video, like comments or like messages or whatever. And it just like gives me this weird like buzz inside of me. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love yeah. That. Yeah. And I um, I think I really want to explore that a bit more and it just be just because I love like I well, binge watch heaps of YouTube. And I think I watch a lot of content creators and I think it's just real cool. Like people out there like create having like a creative outlet that became like a job and they get income and they like support themselves off it is something that's really just for me just seems really really cool and i think i really want to explore that a bit more i'm um, in the future in regards to um and i think and i definitely want to do a bunch more travel once bloody COVID is over and done with um <laughs> yeah count me in me too yeah just continuously reminding myself that like i'm a human being and i'm i'm just trying my best and that's all i should like be okay with and, and expect of myself because i can't really do anything more like i'm not superman so i shouldn't have like superman expectations of myself yeah, that's awesome. So, so basically, working more on how you kind of um, you're minding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, that cinematography stuff sounds really cool. I'll have to check out your, yeah, your Insta. Yeah, I'll show you my Insta. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Look, we'll wrap it up. But um, cool. Thanks for joining us. No worries. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Um, such such good chats, and I look forward to seeing what the future brings for mm. you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. 
Good afternoon and welcome back to Deadly Justice. You're listening to Tallulah. We have our third Scuttermob episode this week and um, we have our next guest on for this episode. We have Alden Lands. Now, Alden is a Gwiniandi man from Mulliger community just outside of Fitzroy Crossing and um, he's only 20 years old and is currently running his own business as a lifestyle coach um, called Warrior Evolution. He's also working alongside FMG as a lifestyle coach um, out on on site, helping people kind of um, transform their lives and create better lifestyles for themselves. Um, he's previously been working for Brahms as a part of their Tackling Indigenous Smoking team and is also studying psychology at ECU. So how are you going, Alden? Hey, I'm going pretty well. Thanks for having me on here. No worries. So um, a bit of an intro for you. There's some awesome stuff that you're that you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. What are the things you're kind of passionate about? Um, um, a bit more about what you're studying and what you're doing with your with your business. Yeah, easy. Well, obviously, like you said, I'm a Gurnyani man from East Kimberley. Uh, number one thing that I'm passionate about is mental and physical health and educating people on our culture, you know, Aboriginal culture. And growing up in Broome for a short period of time and then going down south for schooling at Christchurch Grammar School, really gave me an eye-opening experience, understanding that I live in two worlds. I live in a blackfellow world and I live in the Western society world. And what really motivated me was that I have the best of both worlds. I can combine the two to try and make a difference in this world by helping or going on a journey with a bunch of individuals that are seeking assistance and transforming their lives in a way. And I've got a podcast called The Rope Podcast with Eldon Land, and I discuss that a lot more in depth about Aboriginal culture and mental health and stuff. And, yeah, studying psychology, the reason why I'm studying psychology is because I really want to get educated on the human brain. I really want to understand the actual human brain and the mindset behind everything that humans go through. And over time, I guess, having that qualification will also give me uh, the ability to, you know, speak my mind a lot more because I'll have a, you know, a certificate saying Elden Land, qualified psychologist. So, um, yeah, those are, those are the things that I'm passionate about is just going on journeys with people, helping them find their inner warrior and, like you mentioned, I've got my own business. Uh, it's called Worry Evolution, and I am back currently in January, actually going to launch an eight-week transformation in a warrior program. It's an online coaching program where if anyone's feeling a bit lost in life at the moment, haven't found their passion, you know, not motivated, and just looking for their why, and by that I mean their purpose in life, uh, I've created this eight-week program course as an introduction into warrior evolution by business and within that program what people are going to get is not only the tools to build a lifestyle that's going to set them up for success but the ability to go out and help other people as well and you know it's a it's, a, it's in a what's the word domino effect if i can help someone or assist one person and teach them the way to assist others then, you know, my, my dreams live in that, you know. We're keeping the culture alive, we're keeping the positivity alive and we're transforming lives every day. Yeah. 
Wow, that that's amazing. I'm loving everything that you've just uh, you've just talked about, and I love this last little bit that you said about um, that domino effect thing because I fully understand that. You know, part of my role is um, is running workshops with people um, in terms of legal support and and um, educating people in, on the law and and how they can um, um, understand the law. But my whole um, kind of mentality around doing that is that uh, um, I have to. Um, empower people to understand the law so that they can make those decisions for themselves and then hopefully help other people to make those decisions around um, around legal stuff. So yeah, I fully understand that. I, I 100% support that and um, and I think that's really cool and I'd be really interested in doing your program. Eight weeks you said it was? Yeah, so it's an eight week program and so they'll be launching in early January. I haven't picked an exact date yet and there's going to be two type of options. Um, one option, which would obviously be a little, more, little bit more uh, personal, which is you get a customary VIP one-on-one call. And the second option is just the, the, the normal one, which I recommend for most people, is the group, just the overall group calls. And it's like all pre-recorded uh, videos about me talking about certain things like mental health, physical health, uh, emotional well-being. But within this program, I am using all the knowledge that I've been taught from my grandfather uh, by Aboriginal healing. So I'm using traditional ways of healing uh, by doing these videos and educating people on the ways that, you know, our ancestors, when, when you know, before the white man came, they, they, there weren't anyone that wasn't a warrior. All our ancestors were warriors because they knew who they were they knew what they wanted, and they knew what their purpose was in life. And like I said, that's their overall goal. And I look at myself as a warrior, but as a growing, developing warrior. Still not my full full warrior strength just yet, but the ability to create something that gives me the confidence in myself and gives me the confidence in other people to actually find the inner warrior, it's going to be an amazing experience. You know, So that eight-week course is going to be a very... It's going to be a very in-depth course because we do dive into a lot of mental health stuff as well, like intergenerational trauma uh, and just, just, yeah, all that major stuff that people don't think they need. But once they step into the, you know, step into the classroom, they understand, holy crap, that's what I needed, you know? And that's, that's what's motivated me quite a bit over the past few years uh, is to try to generate this program, this this model to help people. Um, starting out my personal training career, I started realizing that I'm more of a counselor than a personal trainer because people, once you build that trust with people transforming their bodies, they start realizing they can talk to you to help them transform their lives. And that's what motivated me quite a bit to get into this type of work. And yeah, so it's an eight-week course, very in-depth, um, in-depth work and yeah, it's gonna be good. It'd be good if you joined it. You know, you never know. You might, you might look at yourself after that with course and go, "Man, I think I might be going down this pathway now from a different pathway." So, 
Yeah. That's amazing. No, and I think I think about how um you know you get lots of lifestyle coaching stuff online and all of that stuff, but they're not really suited for Aboriginal people. And I think that's amazing what you said about intergenerational trauma as a big segment in that program. I think that's something that um, really needs to be tackled, and I think um, can only be tackled by an Aboriginal person um, for Aboriginal people. Like I, that's awesome. That's really cool stuff. And and um and I hope maybe you know we see ten years down the track. 10 million more lifestyle coaching things um, that involve intergenerational trauma and and um, grief and suicide and, and whatever else that, that comes with, um, unfortunately, being an Aboriginal person in Australia. So that's I think that's amazing. That's awesome stuff. And it's really, like, you know, making my heart warm. I think that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, cool. Um, so, so you're in a really positive spot at the moment, by the sounds. Um, ha- have has this always been like this? What kind of obstacles have you had to overcome to kind of get where you're at? Um, yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I am in a positive spot, which is I'm, I'm very grateful for. Uh, in all honesty, when I've always heard people say, yeah, I'm, I can be positive and happy all the time. I don't believe that. Uh, you can be positive and happy 99% of the time, but 1% of the time, you're always going to be negative. You're going to have a negative experience, like you mentioned, the obstacles. And you're allowed to face those obstacles, and you're allowed to go off track. But as long as you make it that 1%, that's okay. Because the other 99% is where that development and growth work comes into it, which generates that positivity and happiness and that life living smile that everyone I believe everyone has that beautiful smile and um, yeah so I've been through quite recently you know obviously went through a breakup a few months ago and that that hit me quite heavy um, I didn't I didn't react the way that you should really react to that type of stuff but that just comes down to the lack of knowledge and lack of education that I've gotten my personal self to uh, handle breakups and handle that emotional status in a way. And that's no one's fault. Um, not even my own fault. It's just a learning curve. And, yeah, like it was, it was a hardcore, hardcore thing. And that, that led me to make the decision to move out of Broome. Um, and before that, prior to that, during high school, I had a bunch of mental health issues. Uh, I was quite, quite depressed. Um, uh, yeah, I was very, very depressed during high school and during year 11, 12 year. Uh, it was just because I didn't, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, school got, school got the best of me mentally and emotionally. Um, and the only, only way I found my true happiness was when I was talking to my mom on the phone. Even today, when I talk to my mom on the phone, I still, you know, smile comes to my face or any family member. But uh, going on country made me happy. But also coaching people, doing physical activity, I noticed that made me happy. That's what, that's why I dived into it so early on in my life, at the age of 16, 17. And um, I've watched myself transform. And, you know, there's a bunch of obstacles that I've overcome throughout the few years, you know, break up, uh, family members passing away, a lot of cultural things have happened for our people, um, and the way I've overcome these obstacles is I've allowed myself to feel the emotion. And by feeling the emotion, I've allowed myself to sit in it, understand it, build awareness around it, and move on from it. So when it comes back up, I know the skills and I've got the knowledge now to pass through that. 
and all these things that just yeah obstacles are always going to show up in life and a lot of people unfortunately aren't educated on how to deal with it not fault of their own or the parents or anything and that's where that intergenerational stuff comes from is that these people amazing people everywhere in this world everyone including itself um we are unfortunately going to have obstacles pop in our life and I believe life is suffering, but we gotta we gotta be strong enough to choose the things we're willing to suffer for. And the things I'm willing to suffer for is family, culture, love, passion, and my coaching, you know. And that's what that's what we need to understand as human beings that nobody's nobody's perfect. We're all gonna go through crap. And yeah, man, like getting to where I am today, you know, I'm I'm still only going up, and I'm not. I, in all honesty, I'll probably hit hit a hit a brick wall soon. People always say climb over the brick wall, but I'm gonna find a way to knock down the brick wall and let it be knocked down. So then the people behind me or next to me don't have to worry about climbing it over because the wall's knocked down completely. So um, yeah, obviously the breakup was the biggest thing, um, but that led me to being where I am today. So yeah. That is such amazing stuff. I'm I'm loving everything that I'm hearing from you. I'm loving this um this brick wall analogy. That's awesome. And one thing that really kind of struck me with what you've just said was that um that feeling that emotion, sitting with it, so that you know how to deal with it the next time, um next time it comes. And I know what that feels like. I you know I've struggled with mental health issues for well over ten years now. So I, I know I know what that kind of feels like. And um, that being said, I am still number one at avoidance. <laughs> <laughs> I still struggle so hard with actually being able to sit with um with like you know my feelings because I think part of the time is what I part of the, what I do is I make myself busy and I distract myself so that I don't have to sit in that um and it's funny you, you mentioned that, that like I'm, I'm thinking about I'm, I'm having a sad day today so so last night I decided to kind of dwell <laughs> on that and I decided yeah. to watch a bunch of sad movies and dwell on it <laughs> And I was kind of like, what What am I doing? And then I went, actually, no, I need to do this because I don't have time. I distract myself. I, I you know, I go and visit friends or I go and sit down with my mom or I watch kind of mind-numbing TV shows or I, I, I'm always busy kind of distracting myself. So I let myself be sad last night. And, and now I'm actually feeling a lot better than I, I thought I would considering the day today. So... Um, yeah, I fully 100% agree with that, being able to sit with that emotion so that next time it comes, so I have strategies to be able to handle that. And I love that um, that brick wall analogy. That's so cool, um, you know, going through that in a way that you can um, kind of break that wall down so that you have the strategies to then help other people who are dealing with that stuff. And, and that's something that I'm really passionate about, you know, kind of paving paving the way so that our family don't have to suffer or our, our next generation, our kids and our grandkids don't have to suffer the same kind of... Um, stuff that we did and I guess that was the same same thing that our grandparents did for us as well so yeah awesome stuff yeah and like that's the thing hey sis like you're gonna have your off days like literally feeling it I, I recommend journaling and stuff for a lot of people if you don't do it um because it allows you to express yourself freely without any judgment and being able to do that freely is something so so exhilarating that you know, you express all your emotions on this piece of paper that no one's going to read, and you go, "What the hell?" But like, I feel, I feel, I feel relaxed now. I got all this weight off my shoulder. I just needed to get it out. And 
one thing I do every morning is I actually, when I go for my run, I scream at the top of my lungs. I say the S word as loud as I can, but five times, and then I look at myself and go, yep, let's have a good day now. <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. That's so good. I love that. <laughs> and I love that uh, that idea of journaling as well because I, 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 had, I was having another bad day a few months ago, wrote down all of my feelings and my hurt and my sadness on a piece of paper, and I burnt the piece of paper. And I'm like sitting there watching it burn and it was such a like therapeutic experience for me to just let that go. It was really yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's such, awesome. a, such a good thing. Like um, going back to my little thing, it might be able to relate to you a little bit is that uh, during that little phase that I had, you know, I turned to alcohol as a coping mechanism. And unfortunately for Aboriginal people, alcohol is such a first easy handed choice because of the path down of, you know, how our old people got force-fed this alcohol, you know, and um, I led to that to be my coping mechanism, which led led to me forgetting about my training. It drove me crazy, made me act out a little bit, and then when I moved away from Broome, I realized I didn't need alcohol to cope. I started understanding myself more. I didn't need all these coping mechanisms that I've used in the past. I started understanding that I need to actually express myself and basically knocked down that bloody brick wall and by doing what I did was just journaling. I found myself a coach. Um, I got myself back into fitness. I started doing things that I loved doing and, you know, a lot of people during that phase that I had, a lot of people are going to remember the negativity of that phase and no one's going to look at the outcome. No one's going to look at the actual suffering that I went through and that's perfectly fine. That's, that's fine for everyone to just look at the the external nonsense, the, the the negativity. And if people want to look at that, judge off that, that's completely understandable. I'm not going to waste my time, energy, or breath going, hey, you know what, I was going through this, I did this, blah, 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 blah. If they judge me for that, you know, that's their loss. They're not going to be a part of an amazing journey that I'm going on. And I wish them nothing but happiness and best of luck in their lives because there's nothing that I, I can do or say to them to keep them on my side or look at the things that I look at, I mean, if, they, if that's the way they feel, that's their life, you know, that's their choice. And I wish them nothing but that happiness, growth, and, you know, the future that they desire as individuals. And, yeah, whatever you, that, that feeling you're going through right now, just look back to that, that feeling you had a few, you know, a few moments ago when you journaled and you burnt that paper, look back at it and go, you know, I felt this way after writing down and burning it. Imagine if I journal today, and then I practice three gratitude things that I'm grateful for today and look at that piece of paper and then burn it again and remember those three things that I was grateful for. You're educating yourself on how to take a step back from reality and forget about the external nonsense and dive into your internal instincts. And that's what people need to realize because nothing can die out the internal fire. Everything is died out on the external side. And yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. It's giving me goosebumps. Um, and, and look, that's some really awesome stuff about, um, you know, the, what you're saying earlier about, you know, wishing the best for kind of the people that don't wish you well. Um, that's the whole point of this show is that we're, we're, I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is create positive environments so that people, number one, feel heard and you guys feel like you have a platform to kind of say some really positive things that you're doing. But also, we're not, I'm not here to bring people down. I'm here to 
talk about all the awesome positive stuff that you're doing because I think that's the way we can only we 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 can change things. We we got to change things by having such positive attitudes. We can't do it by kind of like sitting there and dwelling on our negativity towards other people. We got to do it to to change number one our attitude and then um, us as Aboriginal people our whole attitude. So yeah, I think I think um, I fully agree with that. Now I've got I've got a little bit. I think I wanted to you your kind of whole interview has been all around this and I love it. Um, so advice for your listeners, but if you could sum up maybe one or two points, what what kind of advice would you give um, for young people listening in? Uh, number one, super cold. My number one advice I would give to any young young black star out there: don't listen to what society has told us all along. We're only good and loved if we can kick a footy, throw a basketball or a netball, and perform on the sporting field. Never, never listen to what society has placed onto us because, you know, we got people like useless to girls, you know, legal firm stuff, you know, we got people in mental health, we got doctors, we got lawyers, we got actors, we got all these amazing people, we got teachers. So never, never listen to what society wants and step out of your comfort zone. Comfort zone is the worst place to be. And that's what I learned when I moved out of Britain. That was my comfort zone. So for all the young mob out there, be who you are, love who you are, remember where you're from, keep learning about your culture, never stop that one bit, never stop learning your culture and chase your dreams. And if your dreams are to be an actor or an actress, go achieve that. And if you want to be the first Aboriginal Prime Minister, by all means, you'll get my vote. So chase your dreams, be who you are and always, always remember where you come from. That that's amazing. I love that, and I love that. Um, you know, you have my vote. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll keep that. In, I'll keep that in mind next time I'm running for president, president, prime minister. <laughs> no, that's awesome.